What is Christianity anyway? Is it a religion or is it a kingdom? I think just about everybody in the world would say that Christianity is one of the five great religions of the world. You hear that all the time. You know, there's Hinduism, Buddhism, Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. So, Christianity, one of the five great religions of the world. The only trouble with that is, God says Christianity is a kingdom. So it all depends on who you ask, what answer you're going to get. Because the Bible makes it as clear as anything, and if you believe that the Bible is God's vision statement, it's his word, it's his, the expression of his heart, it's what he has decreed, it's kingdom every time. And so, who do you ask? That's how you're going to get an answer. And you know, people just have a way of thinking, well, if you repeat something long enough, and often enough, that'll make it true. And that's exactly how we've ended up with Christianity being a religion. Because people have said it so often, it must be true. Yet God is not in agreement with that. I think one of my favorite passages about this is in Daniel 7.14. Let's read that for a moment because it's important. Here's Daniel having a vision. In my vision at night I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. All right, well, that pictures somebody called the Son of Man going into heaven among the clouds and being presented to the Father, to the Ancient of Days, where the Father gives him authority and power in heaven and on earth, and that authority and that power will never cease. It will grow and grow and grow until um, there's nothing left of anything else. It defeats all of the other kingdoms of the world. We're talking about the world here, and Jesus ruling the world from heaven. Well, Jesus himself had something to say about this. And uh, let me uh, just turn you to Matthew 16. And he recognized that he was the fulfillment of this. He, he was the son of man that Daniel was talking about. And uh, here's what he says in Matthew 16, 28. Truly, I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death, 
before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Now, an awful lot of religious people have thought that this somehow referred to the second coming of Christ, and uh, they were sure that he was referring to this. Well, uh, it can't be that, because obviously he's saying some of you standing here are going to see me coming in the clouds with great power, right? So it's not, re it's not referring to the second coming of Christ at all. It was referring to the ascension of Christ, where he fulfills exactly what Daniel pictured. He's going to ascend from the Mount of Olives. He is going to be literally uh, uh, raised up into the heavenlies, disappear. Then he's going to be presented to the Father, and he's going to receive all authority and power in heaven and on earth. Now, uh, this is exactly what the Apostle John pictured in Revelation chapter 5. You can read it for yourself. And so the ascension of Jesus is where the kingdom of God began. We do not see Jesus having kingdom power and authority until he actually receives it from the Father after his ascension. And that's the beginning, the, the first day of the kingdom of God, shall we say, began at the ascension. And that's why with the early church, the ascension was such an important time. It was equal to Christmas and Easter. You know, it was, it was, uh, uh, it, it identified the beginning of the actual authority and power of Jesus as the early disciples experienced it on the earth. In other words, they were aware that something had changed in the atmosphere of the world. There was an authority and a power now available that was not available prior to the ascension. That's the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is the transformational power that Jesus bestows on the earth to transform the nations. And that is what attracted so many Christian people to Christ in those early years before Christianity became a religion. See what I'm saying? It, it was a kingdom. That's, what, that's all they knew. That's what was the reality of the early church. Now, what did they what did they believe about religion? Because there, there, there were one or two passages that talked about religion in the Bible, in the New Testament. And uh, this is what it says in James 1.27. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God is this, to minister to widows and orphans in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Well, that's religion in the New Testament. Uh, in other words, they were redefining religion into kingdom obedience. Because what, what we're talking about here is obedience to Christ, who's king, and he's decreed what he wants. And so religion is really 
kingdom obedience. Do the things that Jesus has told us to do. And I hope you see that he's undefining. It's, it's like he's recreating the whole concept of religion so that it's not religion anymore. Do you see that? It's kingdom. It's the kingdom of God that Jesus is bestowing as a transformational power and the authority of his word to transform the nations. All right. Well, I believe that God wants us in a big way right now to rediscover the gospel of the kingdom. And that's going to mean totally reorienting ourselves back to the meaning of Christ and Jesus and what happened with Jesus to the way it was at first before it got redefined as a religion. No, it's a kingdom, and that's what it was at the first, for 700 years, amazingly. So one of the things that I have done is to write a narrative. I call it a narrative of the gospel of the kingdom, or the, a narrative of the kingdom of God. I call the book Glory Through Time, and it's about to come out and be published in August. What this does is it, it sort of just ignores all the church history, all the religious, you know, arguing, and all, you know what I'm talking about, all the stuff that people have done in the name of Jesus for their religious intentions. And what I'm trying to do here is look at the power of God, the glory of God, as that amazing new reality of the kingdom of God began to settle in, and we literally see it moving west out of Jerusalem all the way to Ireland and to the Atlantic Ocean. That's what I trace in volume one of Glory Through God. I'm excited about this, but it it really is going to introduce you to the concept of the gospel of the kingdom. What, what happened to people in those early years that they, were, they surrendered to this power and then God used them in an amazing way? Again and again, generation after generation, and I trace those generations over the centuries. Well, I don't mean to imply that all of our religious services and everything we do on Sunday morning is a complete waste of time. But what I am saying is this, that churches need to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And when we make our religion an end in itself, and we just take pride in how many times we go to church on Sunday morning or or in the choir, or doing some particular thing on Sunday morning, and we are completely oblivious to Jesus Christ and his kingly decrees. Well, we've just, we're making a terrible mistake, and I believe it's time for us to look at those who transformed nations because they believed in the kingdom of God.